Welcome to the Paul Gunn Podcast. Paul is an American pastor and chaplain who seeks to teach the Bible in an easy to understand and inspirational way to people of all ages. He believes the truths found in the scriptures have the power to change lives. Paul's church has a diverse mix of nationalities and ethnicities where the scriptures are taught in seven languages. When he's not serving his church, he's serving the military as a chaplain. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoy this edition of the Paul Gunn Podcast. The title of my message today is How Quickly We Forget. And today is the last sermon in our series on the book of Nehemiah. So I will be preaching from chapter 13, Nehemiah chapter 13. There are three points to my message today, and here they are. Despite their promises to God, the people strayed. Next, Nehemiah held the people accountable. And then last, Nehemiah asked God to remember. Now, before we begin, I want to recap what we've learned, this time in reverse order. The walls had been built, and the people of Jerusalem had had a revival. And before that, they all worked together Uh, and accomplished this massive undertaking of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem in just 52 days. They did it with such haste and with such skill that the, the regions around them trembled in fear, knowing that God had helped them do it. And they were able to do it because God helped them under the wise counsel and the enthusiastic leadership of this man named Nehemiah. Nehemiah was able to go to Jerusalem to lead the effort because the king he worked for allowed him to take leave and go to Jerusalem. And then initially as the book began, we learned that Nehemiah felt a call from God to restore the walls of Jerusalem, which had been destroyed many years prior and had not been rebuilt, although people had lived uh, among these ruined walls for about 100 years. So listen to me as we progress through the message today. Uh, it's taken quite a, quite a while uh, to uh, put all this, these messages together. I hope that you've learned. So first, despite their promises to God, the people strayed. If you would, read with me in Nehemiah chapter 13, beginning with verse 4. Before this, Eliashib the priest had been put in charge of the staterooms of the house of our God. He was closely associated with Tobiah. Do you remember that guy? Tobiah was in one of the earlier scriptures. He's not a good character in the story. And he had provided them with a large room formerly used to store the grain offerings and incense and temple articles and also the tithes of grain, new wine, and olive oil prescribed for the Levites, musicians and gatekeepers, as well as the contributions for the priests. But while this was going on, Nehemiah says, I was not in Jerusalem, for in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I had returned to the king. Sometime later, I asked his permission and came back to Jerusalem. And here I learned about the evil thing Elishab had done in providing to buy a room in the courts of the house of God. Verse 8. I was greatly displeased and threw all Tobiah's household goods out of the room. I gave orders to purify the rooms. I put back into them the equipment of the house of God with the grain offerings and the incense. 
I also learned that the portions assigned to the Levites had not been given to them and that all the Levites and musicians responsible for the service had gone back to their own fields. Verse 11, so I rebuked the officials and asked them, why is the house of God neglected? Then I called them together and stationed them at their posts. Nehemiah served as governor of Jerusalem for about 12 years, I believe it was, and eventually he returned to his post working for the Babylonian king, King Artaxerxes. And the book of Nehemiah does not give us a lot of details, really none of Nehemiah's absence during this period of time, Uh, but we can surmise that quite a few years had passed between the events of chapter 12 and chapter 13. And as you may remember in chapter 12 the people had had a revival they committed themselves to the Lord they repented of their sins they made all kinds of promises to God so time had passed Nehemiah was no longer their governor but he was still interested in the affairs of Jerusalem so after some time he asked the king for a vacation and the king granted him another leave uh, up time and he went to check on the state of Jerusalem And when he arrived, he was surprised and disappointed at the spiritual decay that had happened since he was there last. And here this guy, this character, Tobiah, pops up again. You know, it's just, Tobiah is just the gift that keeps on giving. (laughs) He just wouldn't go away. If you remember that earlier in the scripture, Tobiah was this nuisance of a guy who tried to stop the rebuilding of the walls. Tobiah first ridiculed Nehemiah and the people's efforts trying to discourage them and he rallied some other people to ridicule. And then secondly, they tried to meet with Nehemiah somewhere outside of the city. It was some type of evil trick, some type of dangerous setup and Nehemiah did not give in to it. And then here we have, after the walls were completed, we have Tobiah in the picture again just one of those one of those cancers that just won't go away and despite their repentance and uh, promises the the people's good intentions were short-lived it was as if they had made a new year's resolution on january 1st new year's day to lose weight and then went to a buffet meal they They had gone far from their commitments to the Lord. Many of the reforms they had committed to themselves were being broken. I mean, do you remember the summary of their promises last week? It was wrapped up in one short statement at the end of chapter 10. And and here's what it said. We will not neglect the house of our God. And when Nehemiah showed up on the scene, the first thing he asked is, Why is the house of God neglected? So what do we learn here? Uh, As New Testament believers, we we are freed up from the Old Testament Sabbath laws, even though we know that taking a Sabbath or a Sabbath like rest has benefits. My point here, though, is not about the Sabbath, but about making promises to God and then forgetting them. And how was it that the people made such promises to God and then forgot them? How did that happen? Did it happen overnight? You know, I don't think so. 
it probably happened over time. First, one merchant sold something on a Sunday, and then, or a, excuse me, a Sabbath, and then another merchant sold something on a Sabbath. Then a third merchant said, well, I've got to keep up with them, so he sold something on the Sabbath. And then over a period of time, the Sabbath became just like any other day of the week. And those of you who know some about the Old Testament and the Law of Moses know that, that it was a requirement to keep the Sabbath and to, to maintain the Sabbath uh, as, they, uh, as, a, as a requirement of the Lord. Now in this case, selling on the Sabbath was a sin. They were deliberately sinning and they knew it. Listen to this. A person moves away from God one small step at a time. So correction is important. Reforms are important. Also, they got by with what they were doing because of just poor leadership and, and lack of accountability. So despite their promises to God, the people strayed. Second, I want you to see this, that Nehemiah held the people accountable. Look in chapter 13, beginning with verse 14. Remember me for this, my God, and do not blot out what I have so faithfully done for, for the house of my God and its services. In those days I saw people in Judah treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in grain and loading it on donkeys together with wine, grapes, figs, and all other kinds of loads. And they were bringing all this into Jerusalem on the Sabbath. Therefore I warned them against selling food on that day. People from Tyre who lived in Jerusalem were bringing in fish and all kinds of merchandise and, and selling them in Jerusalem on the Sabbath to the people of Judah. I rebuked the nobles of Judah and said to them, What is this wicked thing you are doing, desecrating the Sabbath day? Did your ancestors do the same things so that our God brought all this calamity on us and on this city? Now you are stirring up more wrath against Israel by desecrating the Sabbath. When evening shadows fell on the gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath, I ordered the doors to be shut and not opened until the Sabbath was over. I stationed some of my own men at the gates so that no load could be brought in on the Sabbath day. The people had pledged themselves to stay free of foreign influences and to take care of the temple and God's servants who lived there and to observe the Sabbath. Yet every promise they made, they had, they had broken and they continued to break. So it was time for Nehemiah to clean house again. And this time, he did not start with a sermon. He took action, he intervened, he took over. And he did what he could do right then to rid the city of the evil influences that had crept in and to hold the people accountable for their actions. And this is very interesting to me because Nehemiah just showed up and he took control of the city. And I guess the, 
his legacy must have been so great, so strong, that uh, when he showed up, he was able to get by with that. So despite their promises to God, the people strayed. Also, Nehemiah held the people accountable. And then third, Nehemiah asked God to remember. Look in chapter 13, verse 23. Moreover, in those days, I saw men of Judah who had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and uh, and Moab. Half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod or the language of one of the other peoples and did not know how to speak the language of Judah. Remember them, my God, because they defiled the priestly office and the covenant of the priesthood and of the Levites. So I purified the priest and the Levites of everything foreign and assigned them duties, each to his own task. I also made provision for contributions of wood at designated times and for their first fruits. Remember me with favor, my God. Well, here's a summary of what happened in Jerusalem. The wall was rebuilt and times were good. (laughs) That's the summary. And when times were good, the people forgot about God. There's the summary of the book of Nehemiah. The same thing happens today. Human nature just does not change. You know, even if somebody doesn't believe the Bible, it would be good to read the Bible to learn about human nature. I remember after 9-11 how full the church was. 9-11 was a Tuesday. I remember it quite well, as do many of you. I remember how unified our country became in a very short period of time. I've never experienced that. Never, never seen that my whole life. I'd like to see it happen again, but without the tragedy. But we were all together. We were all Americans. There just wasn't any division to speak of. And on Sunday morning, the church where I served was full. It was full of people that I hadn't seen in a long time. It was full of people that I didn't even know. And then over the weeks and months, things just kind of went back to normal. (laughs) But on that Sunday, the church was full. People were repenting. People were praying. People were humble. Why do people seem to forget God during times of prosperity. Ultimately, the problems in Jerusalem were not just among the people. Sin infected the leadership and seeped into the people. Ten times Nehemiah is recorded praying in this book, and four of those times are in this chapter. And of those ten prayers recorded in the book of Nehemiah, seven times Nehemiah asked God to remember. It's fascinating to me how how Old Testament believers asked God to remember and to not forget them. 
Listen to the reassurances of the Lord in Scripture. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 15. Isaiah speaks for the Lord. And he says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. So there's a little play on words here. The mother's not going to forget. But if she did forget, God's knowledge and memory of us is even greater than that of a mother and her child. No, he's not going to forget. Luke chapter 12, verses 6 and 7 says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10 says, God is not unjust. Uh, he will not forget your work and the love that you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Over and over, Scripture confirms that God cannot and will not forget us. There is only one thing that God forgets. And you're going to be happy to hear this. God forgets our sins when we come to him and ask him for forgiveness. And he forgets because he chooses to forget. <laughs> How can an all-knowing God forget something? Because he's also all-powerful. So God is powerful enough to choose to forget something. Yeah, debate that one over a cup of coffee with a friend sometime. He forgets our sin when we confess to him because of what Jesus has done for us. Again and again, Nehemiah called on God to remember. But God was not the one who forgot God always remembers his people. Unfortunately, the people forgot their God. And it would be so easy for us to criticize them, wouldn't it? It would be so easy for us to say, why did they do that? Why did they do that? If we weren't so much like them. How often do we promise our love and obedience to God and ask for his blessings and favor in return when we are in a tight spot? How quickly do we fall back into the same sinful habits that we have? Listen, God does not have a problem remembering us. We are the ones who forget him. James chapter 1 verse 23 says, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and then after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. When Jesus came to earth, and when he lived among us, and when he died on the cross, and when he rose from the dead, Jesus fulfilled the old covenant. And no longer do we as believers have to offer sacrifices 
in a temple. We are not bound by the rules and regulations that Nehemiah and the Israelites had to obey. However, God has given his word to us as a guide for our lives. In it, he tells us how to work, how to live, how to think, and how to speak in ways that will glorify him and bring good to ourselves. And many of us know this. We know that we should be living as believers with instructions found in Scripture, yet so often we forget. We forget our commitment to what is good and right, and we slip back into old habits, self-centered ways, and sinful attitudes. And what this is, is what I call the abuse of grace. See, the Old Testament believers were under the law, and we are under grace. Now, if you have a, a pastor who preaches a lot of law, a good Christian does this, a good Christian does that, a good Christian does this, this, that, and has a works-based salvation, even though he might talk say that we're, we're saved by faith, not by works, if, if, if he has a works-based salvation and pushes people like that, you, the church can fill up. The, the church won't have any problem with getting volunteers because they've been guilted into doing those things with some type of appeal to the Old Testament law in a manner of speaking. You see, the, the Old Testament law was really built up on works, good works, works of righteousness. And the Old Testament law that, that God gave Moses really was a, a set of righteous standards that people had to follow, and they couldn't follow those laws. And what the law did was point out the unrighteousness and the sinfulness of people. And it paved the way for the Messiah, Jesus, to come and set humanity free of the bondage of the law. And so as New Testament believers, we are under grace. We, we are saved by grace through faith. And some people take grace as a license to do whatever they want to do. But the abuse of grace is a terrible thing. So these people in Nehemiah's day, they weren't living under grace. They were living under the law, but they assumed, they assumed a level of grace and abused that grace. When Jesus came, he came to set us free of our old habits, our self-centered ways, and our sinful attitudes. Nehemiah was not a perfect man. But he was a godly man who committed himself to following God. So let's look at some things about Nehemiah quickly. He did not turn his back when God called him to do a difficult task. He did not make for excuses and look for a way out. He heeded God's call and followed through on his commitments. And when things got tough, Nehemiah just powered through. He did not point the finger at others. Nehemiah took action. He held himself and those around him accountable. And Nehemiah led by example. And even when the years had passed and the responsibility was no longer his, 
Nehemiah did not forget. He remembered what God had done for him and the people of Israel. And he, he also remembered and learned from the mistakes of his ancestors and desired to do better. He desired to turn the future family tree into something better. Nehemiah did not forget. We can learn a lot from him. Despite their promises to God, the people strayed. Nehemiah held them accountable. Nehemiah asked God to remember. It's taken 12 Sundays to get through the book of Nehemiah. I hope that you've learned a lot. I certainly have. Rebuilding the walls was a lot of work. Listen to me. I want everyone to hear this as my closing statements in the book of Nehemiah. Rebuilding the walls was a lot of work. Revitalization of Tusculum Hills is a lot of work. It's just as daunting as rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. So if you are concerned about Tusculum Hills in the same way that the rebuilders were on the walls of Jerusalem, you need to tell others. You're not just a member of Tusculum Hills Baptist Church. You are a revitalizer of Tusculum Hills Baptist Church. Where do you attend church? I'm a revitalizer at Tusculum Hills Baptist Church. I want everybody to start saying that. I am a revitalizer. I'm committed. I'm not going to just take it flippantly. I'm going to be committed to this body of Christ and this beacon of hope on this hill in the middle of an area that at one time was declining but is doing better. I'm going to be a committed member. I'm going to serve. I'm going to give. Not because it, it gives me points with God. Not because uh, it gives me salvation because it doesn't. But because this is what the Lord wants me to do. I am a revitalizer. Can we say that together? I am a revitalizer. What has God called you to do? Not every believer has, has, has been called to do what Mike and Lynn do. But every child of God is called to obedience. And if you don't know where to start, just open your Bible and just start reading. Uh, follow the example of Jesus. Love, share the gospel, serve. Most of all, do not forget. Do not forget what Christ has done for you. Do not for, forget your salvation story. Do not forget those around you who are hurting. Do not forget the people around you who need Jesus. Do not forget what you have been taught. Do not forget. Remember. And when you're, when you're in one of those low spots, start reminding yourselves of the things that God's done for you. Start reminding yourselves of God's faithfulness. Start reminding yourselves that, that, that God's always been faithful. He's never let you down. Things happen that we don't understand. Diversions happen in our lives, in our careers. But God is always faithful. It's it's us who are unfaithful and we can we can get back on track with the Lord we're going to go to our invitation time right now and the altar is open 
if you want to come forward and pray. If you want to come forward and pray for, for our church, for friends and family. And maybe, maybe you're here today and forgetting is not the problem. Maybe you are suffering from the weight of your sin and your guilt. And you want to be rid of it. You, you want to not remember. <laughs> you want to feel clean. There, there are a lot of things Jesus does not want us to forget. But our sins is not on that list. He came to this earth. He died on the cross. And he rose again so that, so that he could take our sins and cast them as far away as the east is from the west. And he promises that when you repent, when you ask for forgiveness, he, he will, and then he will remember your sin no more, and neither should you. <laughs> You've been listening to the Paul Gunn Podcast, produced by Marie McKinney-Oates, available on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tina Tran. Have a good day, mate.